Well, that's a history throwback right there. And some of you may have seen yourselves in it. I'll explain that in more of a moment. But man, I am in a good mood today. Great mood. In fact, I am so excited for the Johnson family because my daughter is getting married this week. Yeah, and I'm going to walk her down the aisle. And it's a, it's a dream, you know, a dad, when I've, I've officiated, I don't know, a thousand weddings and everybody looks at the bride, I always look at the dad. He's waiting for that moment more than that girl's ever imagined and prayed for it. And so I have that opportunity to walk her down the aisle and welcome a new son into our family. And I can just tell you that I am excited about moving forward. We're just looking to what's ahead and we're excited about it. And I'm excited as well for the Westwood family. Because today we are starting this new series called This Is Us. And this little historical throwback that you just saw in the video highlights some of the the journey, the God moments in our past. But who wants to live in the past? We're happy to be going forward. And especially in this time, there's a need for us. Let me just illustrate this a little. On December 30th, Carrie and I found ourselves in Boulder, Colorado. That was the day when the big fires broke out, the winds were taking over, and a thousand homes burned right around us. And uh, tens of thousands of people were evacuated. We were smack dab in the middle of that whole mess. And uh, we found ourselves just saying, let's get out of here and get to Denver as quickly as we could. And the smoke was so thick, you couldn't see the road often. And then we got caught in a brownout where the wind kicked up and debris and dirt and stones and branches came and knocked the vehicle. I did all I could to keep my hands on the vehicle and keep us on the road moving forward. And I successfully did that. And while the wind subsided, I thought I better check the damage. And the, the window on the driver's side was broken. The side of the car was all dented. Fortunately, it was a rental car. <laughs> it was all said It was a mess. It was a total mess. And we made our way into that new direction toward Denver. And I'll be honest, we looked at each other and said, what was that? And I could say that that's been the phrase of the last couple of years. I have asked myself, like, what was that? It has been such a compelling and powerful time as we have seen the winds kick up with a pandemic that's been two years, can you believe that? And cultural convulsions, and it's done two things for us. It's um, disrupted the rhythms of our life. And it's disrupted the way we connect with each other in our families, um, in our communities, and yes, in our churches, all across the country. We're asking the question, what is the way forward? But we have a resolve that there is a way forward in Jesus Christ. And so we're in this season where we're grateful for the help of God, the grace of God that has allowed us to keep the church on the road, looking into the future, discerning the question, what is God's preferred future for Westwood into tomorrow? We believe that there is a time for reset and refresh for us to step into at this time because starting today and leading up to Easter, we're going to clarify those questions of who we are as a church and where we're going and how you step into it because we believe there's a need to coming out of this cultural convulsion. So our team has been working diligently to simplify our mission and our values, to make them accessible to everybody because Historically, with every cultural convulsion that happens, which sociologists say about every 60 years, there is revival and reawakening in the church. There's a harvest to come. 
So we have our eyes fixed on a harvest to come, and we've simplified our words and our way forward with the hope that you'll join us and step into the story. This is us. This is the unique way that our community tells the story of God at work. So we're gonna be looking at several things here. Just give you a summary of the weeks ahead. We're gonna be talking about our way of life, to be in love like Jesus. That's what I'm gonna give energy to today. We're gonna speak about our heartbeat as it relates to our purpose to know God and share Jesus through loving others here, near, and far. So you can already see we've simplified our language. And we're gonna elevate our core values. They've changed. We've elevated what we think is most important to move forward toward a harvest that is to come. Jesus, people, and rhythm. Just three. Jesus, people, and rhythm. Say it with me. Jesus, people, and rhythm. So we're gonna unpack that in the weeks ahead because we know there's a window here for us to step up and in that's profound and it's historic. For those who've been with us in the long journey of our beginning of Westwood and even most recently, we're inviting you, if you have not yet, to re-engage with the mission and the ministry because we really need you to be part of what God is doing. He's doing great things. We're having great outcomes, but we need many people to return um, back into our campuses to be able to serve fully all that God is doing. Secondly, I want to invite you who are online primarily, that may be your permanent church home, but re-engage or engage if you've never done so with uh, the ministry and the mission of Westwood and we'll be helping you online. We're gonna be advancing the online ministry as well. And if you're new here today, we wanna invite you to join in as well. We just pray that this whole process makes it easier for you to understand how you can step in with your story to God's greater story and all that he's doing in our midst. So. We're gonna jump into this in just a moment. First, um, you've heard it said that there are three kinds of people. There are those who make things happen, there are those who watch things happen, and there are those standing around trying to figure out what's happening. <laughs> and for two years, I think many of us have been wondering, like, what's happening? Where do we go? I'm just saying, we're stepping in. We believe God is at work through us to make things happen, to move us forward. So let's jump in to specifically our way. Our way of life is to be and love like Jesus. What we're calling our way of life used to be called our discipleship pathway. But I think we'd all agree that Disciples making disciples really is our way of life. It's just a more relevant way of communicating it, so we've changed that phrase. And our way of life is to be and love like Jesus, and it used to be to be and live like Jesus. We've changed the word live to love because the essence of God is love, and the fuel for living comes from his love. It is the source. So we're elevating love, believing that's the mark that transforms our lives in profound ways moving forward. And we're excited about this. This is, this is the way that we want to step into the journey that God has for us. And I think about that in our own given place. In fact, before I even say this, I want you to repeat this with me. Our way of life is to be in love like Jesus so we can just get used to the rhythm of it. Say it with me. Our way of life is to be and love like Jesus. And now I would really love for you to pinch your neighbor. Please don't. Um, pinch yourself. And, and take in this moment because be astonished that we get to be like Jesus and we get to love like Jesus? Isn't that astonishing? How, how is it that we get to be and love like Jesus? I'll get into that in a moment, but I think we all could easily say we know our way, and that is when it comes to the people we want to be most like, we have a bar that's set a little bit lower than Jesus. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> 
When you're a child, who did you admire most? Who did you most want to be like? And you probably had dozens of people, but a few who stood out to you. For me, it was James Conner at 14 years of age. He was my lit teacher, and I'm telling you, he made books come alive for me. And he was the director of our school musical called Little Abner, and I was Little Abner in it, all of my 160 pounds and six foot frame. It took a lot of directing and coaching to make people believe that I could be Little Abner. And he was incredibly mindful of kids and where they were in their own personal journeys. And he taught me how to drive. And as a 14-year-old, let me tell you, that's an influence. And then he noticed a group of guys, I was among them, who had never been camping. He taught us how to camp and to enjoy the great outdoors. And he was a contestant on Jeopardy and won, which made him one of the coolest teachers on the campus. His influence was so great in my life and my personal journey that when Carrie and I had our first son, we named him after James Conner. His name is Eston James Johnson. But with all clarity and all humility, as grateful for, for James in my life that I am, um, my goal in life is not to be like J.C. James Conner. It is to be like J.C. Jesus Christ. Because... At 18, when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, he changed my everything, as he does with you when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And so now I am filled with awe and wonder. It's not lost me that I get to be like Jesus or love like Jesus. What a gift this is. And it gets reinforced for us in 2 Corinthians in, ch in uh, chapter three, and it says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. And boy, if you've got your notes out, you could circle the word transformed. That Greek word um, is translated often as metamorphosis. And so there's this truth that we are being metamorphosized, if I could make that word up, and we are being changed because metamorphosis is the process of taking that which is immature, a form that's immature, and making a form that is more mature. That's what metamorphosis is. That's what we're being transformed to be like. And you might think, wow, it feels a little daunting to be and to love like Jesus. But I wanna invite you to just sit into this little phrase here, with ever increasing glory. It's a little bit at a time. It's day by day. It's gradual growth. We have seasons of accelerated growth, but sometimes our growth is even not noticeable, but it's at work within us. It's an ever increasing glory. And be encouraged as well that it says, it comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the Spirit mediates the very person of Jesus in us. When we receive Christ, the Spirit is transforming and beginning that change process in our life and journey. So I'm gonna put this statement up because I find real encouragement in this uh, reality that it is not by our effort but by our availability to His Spirit that we are transformed to be like Jesus. It's not by our effort. And that's hard for us, that's a paradigm shift because we wanna make it so much about us, but it is about our availability to the spirit that is at work in us. Last summer, um, I read the biography of Eugene Peterson, 
And I'll be honest, I mean, Eugene Peterson is just one of the famous pastors in America, great Christian thinkers. Unfortunately, he died a few years ago. I was eager to read his biography, and he was my pastor last summer on so many fronts. And I just love the way he truthfully speaks about his own transformation. He talks about being in second grade, and that there was a boy that was a bully to him named Garrison John. And I want to share this account because it shows that it takes time to be like Jesus and to love like Jesus. He writes, I had been prepared for the wider world of school by memorizing, bless those who persecute you and turn the other cheek because Jesus said that. By the way, he grew up in a very dynamic Christian home, a flourishing Christian home, a loving Christian home. He says, I don't know how Garrison Johns knew me, knew that about me, but he picked me um, for his sport. And after school, he would beat me up. He taunted me, calling me a Jesus sissy. I arrived home most afternoons, bruised and humiliated. My mom told me it had always been this way for Christians in the world, and I better get used to it. I was also supposed to pray for him. This is what Christian moms do. They teach us in this profound wisdom. One day, I was with a bunch of friends, and Garrison caught up with us and started jabbing me, and that's when it happened. Something snapped. And for a moment, the Bible verses that I had learned disappeared from my consciousness. And I grabbed Garrison, and to my surprise, and his, I was stronger than he was. I wrestled him to the ground, sat on his chest, pinned his arms under my knees, and he was helpless at my mercy. It was too good to be true. I hit him in the face with my fists. It felt good. And I hit him again, and blood spurted from his nose, a lovely crimson in the snow. This is coming from one of our famous pastors in America. <laughs> but, but he was in second grade. Remember that. And I said to Garrison, say uncle. He wouldn't say it. I said it again, more blood. And then my Christian training reasserted itself. And I told him to say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. <laughs> he wouldn't say it. I hit him again, more blood. Say it. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he said it. And Garrison Johns became my first Christian convert. <laughs> Isn't that... A picture of how not to be and love like Jesus. We, we need to find another way to share the love of Jesus Christ in the world in which we live today. And it's an important process to move in that given direction. How do we do it? Well, I want to reassert what I said earlier, that God has a role and you have a role. And we look at God's role, which is to grow Grow us to be like and loving Jesus. In 1 Corinthians, again, um, we read this text that is a reminder I, from Paul. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Man, I hope that just relieves pressure from you. That you, you think I fail all the time because we can't do this in and of our own power and strength. We must do it instead by the reality of God who grows us and he makes it happen. I love the reminder of Paul when he says we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, um, lest anybody should boast because it's not in our strength, it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. We, we get to receive this and to ponder the beauty of just pressure relieved and to enter into that realm of being available, which is your role, and that is to take responsibility for your availability. We do have a role in this. In Jude 1, we read these 
these words that, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love. I love that. Keep yourself in God's love. This is our role. As you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. And here you have this beautiful picture that we have a role to build ourselves up through the Spirit's power that is in it. It's not our own effort. And one of the ways we do that is praying. We pray. When we pray, we get aligned with the will and the way of Jesus so we can be in love like Jesus. Right now, if you are not praying in your life, you will not see the transformation that God promises for you. This is your role, to be available and to step into it. And then we find that the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus, will bring about this beautiful love. We keep in his love, we walk in the Spirit, we abide in him, and we get to be in love like Jesus. I know a couple of years ago, this keeping in love um, with Jesus, and just say, I wanted to wake up every morning um, with God on my mind, but you know, you can't control how you wake up. You wake up how you wake up. And it so disturbed me, because I always woke up with the steering wheel on my hand and the agenda before my day, and I wanted to wake up with God. And so I prayed before I go to bed, Lord, let me wake up with you. And then I begin that process of waking up, and eventually, over time, because it's gradual process of growing into the image of Christ, it began to happen. I would wake up with Jesus through this prayer. And I've said it to you many times, I've refreshed it during this season of the the reset series, This Is Us. But I used to pray it this way, before I got out of bed, get on my knees, before I turned on the light, oh Lord, thank you for life today. That's a good way to start your day when you wake up because you're alive. You woke up, your eyes opened up. Lord, thank you for life today. Let me be who you want me to be. Let me go where you want me to go. Let me do what you want me to do. Let me say what you want me to say. I simplified it. My new prayer of availability is this. Lord, thank you for life today. Let me be who you want me to be and let me love who you want me to love. Because I know in the course of this day, I will be pressed in in terms of who I want to love and who you call me to love. It's my new prayer. I give it to you as a practice that allows us to take on our responsibility. And I think you'd agree that the world could use a good dose of uh, love today to heal the brokenness in the world, in our land, um, in our personal relationships. And you've heard me say this so many times that if we could only get the love thing right, there's no end to what we could be or do for God's glory. We just don't get it right all the time. But I'm inviting us to learn how we can do this in new ways. The church 2,000 years ago, I wanna look at, because they got the love thing right. They were pressed in. They were persecuted. It was the most persecuted chapters of Christian history in the first three centuries. And yet they got the love thing right, so much so that it would have profound impact in the world. In fact, there's a second century letter that has been left for us It was written to a guy by the name of Diognetus, and it survives, and I think is an attraction um, and a persuasive way of life, of what it means to be and to love like Jesus. And I just wanna read a paragraph, because I'm calling us back to this time, and something that happened in the midst of it that would be so profound. It says Christians, second century, there's something extraordinary about their lives. They live in their own countries as though they were only passing through. They play their full role as citizens, but labor under all the disabilities of aliens. They live in the flesh, but they are not governed by the desires of the flesh. They pass their days upon earth, but they are citizens of heaven. Christians love all men, but all men persecute them. Condemned because they are not understood, they are put to death, but raised to life again. They live in poverty, but enrich many. They're totally destitute, but possess an abundance of everything. 
They suffer dishonored, but that is their glory. They are defamed, but vindicated. A blessing is their answer to abuse, deference, their response to insult, but even then they rejoice as though receiving the gift of life. I'm touched by second century Christians, and I'm gonna call us back in this part of my message today to be like them, to love like Jesus as they did, because I wonder if maybe this message um, is for us, if we're being called back by God to a more childlike faith that loves like Jesus, that brings about a growth in the world of the goodness of God in the communities and the nations of the world. Because through this influence, the church in the first century was 25,000 people, by the third century it was over 20 million people. So being in love like Jesus brings about a growth. There is a harvest to come. And so there's so much criticism about the church today everywhere, but if we're faithful to be in love like Jesus, there is a harvest to come. And I wanna invite you to be part of the harvest. Can I get an amen for that? I know, in other cultures, I don't have to ask for the amen. It just <laughs> comes readily, but if you feel it, give it. <laughs> Let's step into this, because what I'd like to talk about is um, Rodney Stark, the great historian in our country, um, he, he wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity, and he gives this account of their impact in the world. The whole book is on this, but I've just chosen three. And I'm saying, look at the impact that happened then. It, it can happen today through us. It is happening today through us. Let me touch on each one briefly, and I'm gonna use the personal pronoun our way, believing that that is our call, to be like that first century church and let that continuation of transformation continue. So first of all, our way is to be like Jesus through belonging, that Jesus included ethnicities of all people in his appeal to know God, that everyone could be included, that he didn't want any to perish, that all could repent and have everlasting life. And the early church captured that very message of Jesus when he walked the face of the earth. And Christianity was open to all peoples and um, all ethnicities. And so Paul says this in Colossians. He says, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, uh, Scandinavian, I think that was supposed to be, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all, that, he, that all people matter to God, and therefore, the blessing goes to all ethnicities, no matter the region, no matter the race, and I think about the changing face of the Twin Cities. Let's own, it's changing profoundly. There are three million people in the Twin Cities. One million are refugees and immigrants, ethnically, culturally diverse people that have come to the Twin Cities. By 2034, there will not be a majority population in the Twin Cities. And so we want to welcome all of them. We want to partner with them, which we've been doing the last several years. But I'm saying this is us. This is Christ in us to care for all ethnicities. So we're choosing to partner with indigenous leaders in the Twin Cities to plant 100 churches with them by the year 2028. A year ago, we had six churches in the pipeline. Today, there are 32 churches in the pipeline. We're going to see this emergence of the Church of Jesus Christ grow in the Twin Cities because we're gonna be like Jesus and the first century Christians who were and loved like him and welcomed all ethnicities. And what a gift that is for them and for us to join in that um, investment. We know that he also um, was the, the Lord Jesus who treated people 
including children and women, they were all welcome, and he used them powerfully for his purposes. Children were not considered of great value in this um, ancient culture. In fact, even with the disciples of Jesus, when they wanted to approach Jesus, they told the the children to get away. Jesus said, no, let the little children come to me, because we're gonna learn something about God in the heart of God. He's calling us to a childlike faith. Or women who are not respected, they did not have dignity in the Greco-Roman world, but Jesus treated them with such. The early church, treated them with such to the end that they served in positions of authority of teaching and evangelists and church planting along the way. Transformation is still happening today. This is us, that there's a place for boys and girls, for women and men to serve the purposes of God in this time and place. We're moving in a good direction here already. I love this because this is who we we get to be. We want you here. We want you to serve out of the gifts God gave you. Secondly, Stark calls out that our way is to be like Jesus in compassion, that Jesus loved all people, even those people whom other people would not love, the people who were outcasts, they were weak, and they were marginalized along the way. But the pattern of Jesus was mercy, compassion, and healing. Mercy, compassion, and healing. Mercy, compassion, and healing. This was the heart of God, caught by the early church. They brought mercy, compassion, and healing into their communities, their villages. They were scattered, and yet they brought the same message of mercy, compassion, and healing. And it's astonishing, the compassion for the unwanted and how the church grew because of that compassion. The first century Roman writer Seneca said these words, that we drown children at birth when they are weak and abnormal. I mean, that was common. There's no angst about it. You can just see this is just what they said. This is what their practice. Infanticide was their journey. To take kids, to place them outside, they would die by the natural elements or by wild animals because they were deformed or not wanted or whatever the case might be. But Christians took a different approach. They regarded all human life as sacred and they took in those victims of infanticide. They brought them into their homes And when there were so many of them, they couldn't accommodate them in their homes, they started this little thing called orphanages because of who Jesus was and the compassion of Jesus, and they opened their doors. I just read an article yesterday that 41 orphans um, were were able to get out of Ukraine um, two days ago um, because of Christians who had pipelines were able to get them into an orphanage that was grounded and founded in the name of Jesus. It's a transformation that we're still part of today. And it's a compassion of Jesus for the sick that the early church captured as well. In the first three centuries, there were two epidemics that wiped out one-third of the world's population. Can you imagine that? One-third. That would be like our three million city population of the Twin Cities, one million being wiped out because of disease. And it created a panic. And so people either left their loved ones behind or they made their loved ones outcasts and put them at the roadside in order to keep and prevent the spread of that disease. But Christians took them in to their homes. They did not leave and flee. They welcomed them in. And the historic accounts of this is amazing. And the church grew because of the transformation they saw in these Christians' lives. They were even blamed for the diseases, but they continued to bring help and hope in that journey. And then at the fourth century, we find the first hospitals built by a guy by the name of Benedict. And now there's all kinds of hospitals, Berean and St. Francis and the Good Shepherd that come because they're grounded in this way. Or you find the Geneva Convention that started an organization to alleviate suffering, to bring um, that mercy, healing, compassion into the world. And they had a symbol for their work. It was a symbol 
of the cross, which we know as the red cross, which is grounded in the blood of Jesus Christ and his mercy, compassion, and healing for the world. And I could continue. Might I take it right home here? We have on our campus in Chanhassen a hope house, a home that has six beds in it because we identified an unmet need several years ago. Now the hope house, we dedicated it to sheltering teens, 14 through 18 years of age. We're five years old. Last year, 2021, we sheltered over 100 teens in that home. We turned away over 200 because we only have six beds. Why? Because of Jesus. We're grounded in the compassionate heart of Jesus for all these things. And so we have this picture of our ways to be like Jesus um, in belonging and in compassion and then just briefly in education as well. That Jesus taught everybody, the rich and the poor, the slave and the free. That he taught boys and girls, men and women. That just didn't happen in those days. Education was for the wealthy. But when the first Christ followers picked up on that, they brought education through God's word into their homes and into their villages and cities, even the big ones. So you find a university like Oxford that has this incredible phrase on it that says, Dominus Illuminatio Mea, that is their motto, the Lord is my light. It's the first words of Psalm 97. It's not that these universities continue with a faith-based orientation to education. They were started founded, grounded in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Reformation opened up the idea of a dream for universal literacy. And so Martin Luther says, the Bible is alive, it speaks to me, it has feet, it runs after me, it has hands, it lays hold of me. Friends, there was a call in the Reformation to be able to have the Bible written in every language so that everyone could read, be educated, and know who God is. We encourage you, this is us. Open up the Bible. We will teach from the Bible for our children. We will invite you into small groups using the Bible as the center of our learning and the core of our journey. This is what happened. The weaknesses of secularism and paganism were replaced with a spirit of love and care, compassion and education. And that's, friends, because Jesus met them that early church that way met me and met you to this given end so we can be in love like Jesus. So we find in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, this word. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What a picture. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. God has made Jesus come to us so that you would know that Jesus Christ loves you that he sacrificed himself for you. And when you understand that, you become his beloved children. Your identity is now secured in him. And when you become his beloved, something happens. You become his imitators. So we become imitators of God. But we come to this, like, let's not be casual about the fact that that Jesus voluntarily, generously, sacrificially, died for you because of his love for you. That's something to behold. We say it so often, I fear it's just words on a page. We wanna take it in. And I'm reminded every once in a while of this beautiful truth, and I share it with you briefly. About a month ago, I was reading or hearing from uh, Tim Keller in a message that he preached, and it really spoke to me in a powerful way, quite honestly rocked me. He was telling the true story of his friend Brian Chappell, Brian Chappell who Um, talked about growing up in his hometown and two boys, they were brothers, made them their way over to the sandbanks of the river to play. And they climbed up this ridge and as they got to the top of the ridge, they found themselves, their feet planted firmly in quicksand and they couldn't get out. And they didn't come home when they were supposed to come home 
The parents, out of concern, put a search team together, friends and family, and they began to look high and low trying to find them. Eventually, one of them saw one of the boys at a distance, and he ran to him. Others came as well, and he was this deep into quicksand. His upper chest and head was above. He was unconscious, but he was alive. And they dug him out, they pulled him out, and when he came to, they asked him, where is your brother? And he said, I was standing on his shoulders. And you find the picture here that that boy's life, the foundation of his life was on the shoulders of the sacrificial love of his brother. And our life, the foundation of our life is on the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. And we get to be and love like him. And when we do, extraordinary things happen. And that's our invitation, really, to step in, receive his love, and to step into his story, because his story is so amazingly good. And it is to find yourself in a place where you do, something happens. When, when Christ comes in you, you become a carrier of his love. John reminds us of this in John um, 20. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We are the sent out ones. We are the carriers of love. And when we're in touch with that generous sacrificial of love, we cannot resist the desire to share it with others. And that's what we're going to do. We're redoing, uh, re resetting, refreshing ourselves. So on this day, we're gonna conclude by a simple commissioning prayer for a group of people who have said yes to start our next multi-site in West Tonka, and we're gonna commission them today. And this is another reason I'm in a good mood. So I'm gonna ask Pastor Zach and Dan to make their way up. I'm gonna ask pastors that are here in this gathering to make their way up, to come around and pray over them. I'm gonna ask the ministry team leaders from West Tonka who've been working for a long time to make their way up as well. And we're gonna commission and give a prayer. Let me just give you a little perspective of their journey. It's been a long one. 2019, a small group from the West Tonka area um, asked if we could do a multi-site. We need a multi-site in West Tonka area and in Mound. And uh, we weren't in the place to do that. And then it was one step forward, two steps back, a pandemic. And for three years, they have been tenacious. They've been passionate. They've been committed. In fact, you might be asking, where's West Tonka? Fair question. Question. We got a map up here to show you where West Tonka is, and what you will see is a lot of water on the map because this is what we live in around, a lot of water, but Chanhassen Campus is the dot below, up above. West Tonka is where it is, 12 miles away, but not easy to get in and around through all those water bases. So today we're gonna commission them. Zach, take it up and share a, some of the, the why behind it, and Dan share a story as well. Absolutely. Well, when we think about that John 20 passage, that Jesus is the sent one, and we be and live, be in love like him, we too are the sent ones as well. And so when we look at Mound, we realize that there's about 30,000 people living in Mound. But when we zoom out to a seven-mile radius to include all of the surrounding cities, that community has about 67,000 people. That's the population there. Now, here's the kicker. There are only eight churches in the Mound area eight churches. We realize that there is a great need for more and more churches that love Jesus and help people uh, discover what life is like in him. And so when we think about that, that there's only eight churches, that has an impact on the, the city there because it's believed that only 20% of people living in this community have a connection or are committed to a church, 20%. That makes Mound uh, one of the most, if not the most, unchurched area in the Twin Cities. And so we feel God's call and God's prompting to move towards that. And so we want to invite you into two things. First, 
We invite all of us at Westwood to, to provide prayer. Let's provide a prayer canopy for the, the campus and also the community as well. And second, we realize that some of y'all live in the West Tonka area. And so we want to encourage you to join us on the journey. Join us and be a part of our core team. Here at the Chan campus, we've got a table out in the comments. Stop by. Our core team would love to answer any questions and help you get plugged in and get you connected. But friends, we get to be and love like Jesus. We get to be like Jesus and move into the community. And we get to love like Jesus and love on those in the community. And Dan has some neat stories about how our core team has already started loving people over the last year. Yeah, well, this group right here really drew in me and my family right from the start with their passion for the West Taka area and their deep yearning to see a Westwood church right there in that community. And Pastor Joel, as you mentioned, this our story goes back several years. So uh, this has been a long birthing process. That's why you see some big smiles in front. And, and you'll see from our Westanka people uh, just excited for this day. Our campus has grown over the past months to 150 adults and a whole lot of kids and youth on top of that. And so we're excited. We are entering into this launch season with a lot of momentum. And when I think of, of that phrase of really our way of life, be and love like Jesus, it makes me smile because I'm seeing our campus live that out. I mean, I've experienced that personally with my family. When we moved here back in August from Chicago, we met the incredible challenge of buying a house in this market. It was hard. And we had two families that reached out to us and invited us into their homes to live with them, which what turned out to be six weeks. And that is just a, a tremendous act of love that, that my family will always cherish. And we're seeing that love really splash over into our community. Our outreach team has just been doing a phenomenal job of, of being a blessing to our community, partnering with places like the Westonka Community Gardens and the Westonka Food Shelf. And so we are growing a reputation in the community as a people that, that love Jesus and love other people. And that's just beautiful. I think just in closing, one, one final story of one of our area leaders, Luke. He was at uh, one of the pop-ups that we've, that we've done in our community. And this gentleman approached the table that he was at and saw the, the, the Westwood Church sign and was very curious. Well, it turns out that this man has never been to church. And Luke has been able to keep that conversation going in the months since. And that man is planning on coming to our our public launch on April 10th will be the first time that he attends a church. And so we're excited to see story after story like that lived out. And so whether you're here in person or joining us online, we encourage you to reach out and learn more about our campus. We appreciate your prayers. You can stop by the table. There's also more information on the West Tonka page on our church website. We just so much appreciate your prayers, Pastor Joel and Zachary and the leadership board, we appreciate your leadership in taking the step of launching a new campus. Yeah. And we thank you all for the generosity in your prayers and for this blessing of receiving a commissioning today. That's great. Well, you can see, this is one of the reasons I'm in a good move. We are moving forward. We're not resting in the past. We're inviting you to step up and in, and I'm gonna invite you to stand up and join us in a prayer of commissioning for West Tonka, and then as well, we'll sing the doxology before we go. So Heavenly Father, thank you for this incredible gift of love, so generous, voluntarily, sacrificial, comes to meet us, to the end that we get to be in love like your son, Jesus Christ, what an extraordinary gift that is. And that you do it all by your power for your glory. And I pray, Father, on this day as we lay hands on these uh, representative leaders of the 150 are making their way out and the children on top of that to the West Tonka region, that you would 
bless them richly, that they would be available to all that you want to do in and through them. And as a result, they would be like the first century and second century church where their love is so compelling it makes a mark in this community and that many dozens and hundreds would come to salvation because of this launch, this birthing that's taking place. Give them what they need to lean into all the obstacles and challenges that are before them, but remind them that all they need they have in you and remind us to be carriers of your love when we leave this place. To your honor and glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.